Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to Philippians 3. We're going to read from 11 through 16. And we're going to talk, wrap up tonight, stopping the destruction. Now, I started this series, and Randy came in and preached the power of words. Uh, Kylan last night preached a, I mean, last Wednesday night preached a great message. It was my birthday, and uh, somebody said, are you really going to preach tonight? Yeah, but even if I don't, it's still your church, and you ought to attend. Yeah, yeah, hallelujah. Okay, praise God. Let's go to Philippians 3.11. It says this. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I could not myself to have, count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. How many things is Paul doing? You're right. One thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark, the friction between light and darkness, between flesh and spirit. I press towards forward for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything we be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this even unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, and let us mind the same things. Now Paul said there's one thing that is critical for every believer. Now, this is where faith begins to take over. Rationale, doubt, and reason begin to take a second seat. And that is forgetting what is behind you. Everybody is notorious about remembering what took place in your former life. In, in the sin that you committed, in the wrong that you've done, the mistakes you have made. I'd like to say that's just in the world, but really... It's deeply seated in the Adamic nature that still rules the body of Christ today. People are more knowledgeable of your past than they will ever be of your position in Christ. Yeah. That's why we're all the time remembering or looking at people through an eye of criticism and of, I'm going to say this, out of bound judgment when I say out of the bounds of judgment no judgment not you not me nobody is to judge except there is enough love to have the judgment carried out based on scriptures amen and listen we've all damned people from a one-sided story come on you're absolutely right now what is that that's just a loveless judgment that is emotional judgment. That is a sharing judgment. That is a judgment somebody said, well, they really wasn't really. But look, Phyllis has run off with the contractor 15 times. 
And until I told Sydney Daily News that if they printed that story, I would own the newspaper. And then they came up here and said, well, we just thought we'd come up here. And then at the end, they said, why don't we just write a great story about your church? I said, how well do you do that? So it, just in case I would inherit the newspaper, I'd write it myself. Now, see, all of you know that is a lie. But people believe that lie. People in my church ask me, after I got done preaching on a Sunday morning, Pastor, are you and Phyllis getting a divorce? I looked at them. I said, where did you hear that? They said, at work. I said, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I was just wondering. Now, you think you're not that gullible. Anything you listen to, you will believe. You will believe. You know, it's just the truth. And so Phyllis run off the contractor, took $15 million, and if she'd have took that much, I'd have followed her. And if I'd had $15,000, that would have been another story. <laughs> so you see how foolishness gets started. And so Paul says, I want you to forget those things. Now, that means that you have to forget them even though other people are not capable of forgetting them. Now, why aren't people capable of forgetting things? Well, the Bible says that God loved you enough he gave his son, so you should love your brother enough that you forgive them or forget that. And there is a great loveless problem in the body of Christ, a great loveless problem. That's why half the truth of the scriptures have never been preached. Because there's not enough love capacity in the church to divide it rightly. It's the truth. I'm just telling you, it's the truth. And so Paul says this, I want you to forget those things. So that means that if we're going to forget things that are behind us, we have to move on from people that try to keep us chained to them. I remember Phyllis one time I, when we first got saved, I used to walk around the house, oh, God, I thank you, I've never sinned. She said, you know, you walk around saying that stuff. You know you were lying. You was a sinner. I said, let me tell you something. I love you, Phyllis, but if you ever tell me that I'm not what God said, that I am again, you and I are going to have problems, as if we don't have enough of them already. Now, that was when we first got saved, so we certainly have a little less problems now. We just have new ones, menopause, old age, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? The thing of it is, even though she loved me, even though she said she believed the Bible, she would revert back to religious attitudes and religious beliefs over what God said. And sometimes we have to separate ourselves from people that cannot forget who we used to be. Amen. You have to. And so we understand that one of the things Paul says, forget those things that are behind. What's remembering things that are behind you? And a lot of times it really doesn't have anything to do with the devil. Well, you know, the devil's condemning me. No, you are condemning yourself. You are sentencing yourself because we do not have enough faith in the word or what God said about us to accept who we are. You, Regina ever tell you, I love you, honey? She ever say you're good looking? 
Now, you know she's lying on both of them. I, I, mean, it, I mean, when you look in the mirror, isn't that hard to fathom? Well, you, when Phyllis tells me, honey, you're good looking, I'm thinking to myself, we need to get you to the eye doctor. And if I could, if I could take the reality of what you really saw with new glasses, I would be insecure. Now look, I know I'm not the best looking guy around town. I, I understand that. But she'd been with me so long, who would have her after all the stories I've told? Nobody. Exactly. Now, so, but the, the thing that we have to understand is that we have to be able to forget who we are. Because if we don't forget who we are, we will never, never embrace who we are. We have got to forget who we were before Christ. And Paul says, this one thing I do. In other words, if there is no renewing of the mind, there will never ever be a proclamation of faith. Amen. What would you believe? If there was not an unveiling or renewing of the mind, what would you believe? You would believe what was ever there before and you couldn't believe anything else except what you had in there before. So we have to forget that one thing. And then Paul says these, these real unique words. He says, look, if we are any other words minded, God will reveal that to us. How does he reveal it to us? He reveals it to us through scriptures. God will not accept what you say you think you are in any situation he will only hear, we, hear you when you approach him on the position of who you are in Christ. Amen. And I really don't like to use that word in that position in Christ because in all reality, I am in Christ. Amen. It's not just a position. Amen. It is a true identity. It is a true new birth. And I am the son of the living God. Wow. And then Paul says this. And if in anything else, let everybody that is perfect be thus minded. Now, wait a second. How are you perfect and still reaching? That means Paul says this. When you receive who you are, where you are, you are as perfect as you can get. But there is a launching out to receive where God is calling you to go. Now, you may see imperfections in that, but you never crumble to them. Amen. Look, just because you make a mistake today, you know what? You forget that mistake. You repent of it. Ten seconds later, you forget it. You really want to drive the devil crazy? Believe that you are forgiven as soon as you confess it and start making statements like you never committed it. The devil say, you, you, you are not that strong. Oh, yes, I am. I believe the love of God. I believe the power of faith. And I believe the faithfulness of my unchanging God. Yeah. Hallelujah. And then go around telling people, I've never sinned a sin. Praise God. Find one on me. The only place sins are found are on ignorant believers. People that refuse to forget what was in your past and the devil so don't run around with any of them Amen. if they can't receive that you've just been forgiven then you have to move on from those people could I get an amen 
So let's stop the self-destruction by allowing ourselves, yourself, 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 from remembering your sins and your shortcomings. Stop. Oh, but I didn't want to disappoint God. <laughs> what, you think he didn't know you was going to flub up? You think he didn't know you were lying when you told him, God, I'm going to get up in the morning and pray. You think God just got up and said, I'm so disappointed. Let's just close it all up and shut down. Let's have a closeout sale. 30 days salvation after that we're done. No, absolutely not. Nothing you did is surprising God and no sin that you're committing is new to God. He foresaw it before the foundations of the earth. Could I get an amen? He prophesied in the scriptures how perverted man could ever be and made provision for it before you ever even thought of it. So nothing you are doing is ever new to God and you are not surprising him when you mess up. Hmm? Yeah, he's had more than one kid. Yeah. Praise God. So Paul warns us to stay mentally aware of yesterday's desire to be a part of our today. Let me say that again. Paul warns us about our yesterdays desiring to be a part of our today. They want you to keep them close refuse to think about it Amen. refuse think on these things Amen. don't think on anything else think on the things that God has said about you could have given amen praise God so many of us have been afflicted or have been hampered by God what God wants us to do because we allow our yesterdays to accompany our todays the gospel is not to be mixed with who you were. The gospel is to take precedent and establish who you are. Amen. Yeah, ne never ever try to mix truth and make it lukewarm. God's not satisfied with it because it'll make you lukewarm. And everybody knows what happens to lukewarm people? Yeah. <laughs> he vomits them out. Right? Okay. So if you're going to make the gospel lukewarm, then you're going to be lukewarm. And if you're going to be lukewarm, you're going to separate yourself from your first love. You're going to separate. You're just going to be lukewarm. So we have to make sure we stay on fire by replacing the things that create life, passion, fire, instead of dousing them with things that steal the life of our fire. Amen. All right. All right, so remembering your past can keep you from your future and from your freedom. And from your freedom. Your freedom is not in your yesterday. Your yesterdays are filled with your bondages. Tomorrow is a promise that you will awake new and the mercies of God will awake and arise new every morning. Amen. Amen. So God's not finished with you no matter what you did when the sun went down. Wait for morning. God's got a new beginning. 
Just get up, pretend like you own it, act like you own it, and walk in ownership of it. Amen. Amen. All right, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy. And I know that we all know this, 2 Timothy 1.7. And it says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Love, power, and of a sound mind. Now, God has given us a spirit of love. Somebody say love. love. What does the spirit of love do? David, turn your... Well, let me have 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, let's look at verse 3. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. Since we've, and though I bestow all my goods, this is what love does. Now, we have a spirit of love. That spirit of love is encompassed in sonship and daughterhood as well as our rights and privileges in Christ. And then Paul says, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity. Now remember, we have a spirit of love. Not just that we love others, but that we accept that we are loved. We accept that we are loved. So a remembering of yesterday is simply a rejection of love's approval. Then it says this, charity, love, somebody say love. love. Suffereth long, is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemingly. Seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Brethren, all things, brethren, beareth, I'm sorry, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now, we have a spirit of love, right? The spirit of love tells us this. God never, ever wishes or rejoices when you fail. Number two, God never, ever thinks ill or evil of you. You know, God's never had one bad thought about me. Now, people may have, but that's because they don't love me. But I have a spirit of love, and I believe that there's nothing I could do to cause God not to believe Amen. in me. Amen. He believes in me. Amen. Hallelujah. He wants me to succeed. Amen. Amen. He believes that I'm going to do what he asked me to do. He believes that he puts a way in front of me, I'll take the right way. He never, ever has an ill thought. Well, there he did it again. No, that's the mind of man. But it's never the mind of God. Now, let's go back up three, three verses. And just look what uh, love does. Remember, it never fails. It's kind. Uh, one more. Uh, well, it suffers long. It's kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Do not behave itself you ever think what that means is not puffed up? 
You know, God never sees or thinks himself better than you. It would be like you, David, thinking you better than your son. God never ever looks at me down his nose. Never, God never sees me insignificant. God never sees me as not able. God never looks at me and excludes me from possibility. People do. I remember when I started the church, these pastors come. They always come in flocks, never have enough guts to come alone. They come and say, well, you know, we've decided that you can have Bachkins because nobody else wants it, as if it was their call. Oh, Oh, lords of almighty nothingness. <laughs> then when I started the Bible college, oh, it'll fail. I got hundreds of students who graduated Bible college. Some with doctorates, some with masters. It wasn't a failure. They just didn't think anybody would come to Bakken's. Well, I proved them wrong. I came to Bakken's. So if I would come, I figured there was enough crazy people in the world, they would follow. Now, see, God never thought I couldn't. And he never expected me to think that out of love, he would put me a place where I couldn't. Why? Because it was thinking the best for me. He wasn't just trying to put somebody there and say, well, maybe he'll make it. No, no. God put me here because he expected me to make it, believed I would make it, and was willing to give me everything he had to guarantee I would make it. See, God is, never looks at me in a negative way. Amen. Whew. Next verse. Rejoice not iniquity. If I fall, God never ever says, well, you know, there it is. No, that's the devil's crowd. That's the devil's crowd. God is always there to pick me up, and he rejoices in the power of the truth that will set me free from anything that my previous sins have brought on my life. And it says it beareth all things. God puts up with a whole lot. People have short fuses. God never, ever has an end to his fuse. Hmm? Let, let me say this to you. Think about how loveless you are when you do something that God would not. Because it can, if we don't respond in God's way, you are responding in a loveless way. Now, how many things that we have said in the last 30 days would God have not said? How many things have we done that God would not do? How many of us have put up with people and then just cut ourselves off from them now because 
they aren't writhing, arising to the level we think they should rise up. I'm, I'm just wondering. I mean, I know that these things really are not true, and God certainly can't expect us to live by these. Like, gee, come on! Even a fresh Christian on fire couldn't live this. Let alone mature Christians that have chilled out, boned out, got cold, filled with rocks, hardened hearts, seared minds and seared consciences. How could we live like this? Hmm. Believeth all things. Doesn't mean the negative things. Believes the potential of all things. Hopes. Hope. Hope. What does faith mean? Well, what does hope work out of? Faith is the substance of things what? You know that God is using his faith for you to succeed? Jesus ever liveth, Hebrews 7.25 to make intercession for you and I. Amen. He's always praying for our benefit and our success. Amen. When we look at people and see their shortcomings, what is our first response? Pick up the phone, send a text. Hey, did you see in charisma? Hey, did you read this? Did you see that? Or is it to pray? Are we all just waiting to rejoice in somebody's iniquity? Because that's not the spirit of love. See, we want to receive that spirit of love, but we don't want to live in it. Now, this is my father. This is how he sees me. I'm never, I asked Quentin one time, I said, Quentin, what are you going to do if I just grab you and beat the fire out of you? He said, I wouldn't do anything. I said, wouldn't you think I hate you? He said, no. I said, what do you mean? I said, you're crazy? He said, no. He said, no. I know I love you. He said, I ain't afraid of you. He said, and if you beat me, I ain't afraid of you. Amen. And I said, okay. I haven't beat the fire out of him yet. Somebody said, the other day we was on said, oh, I don't like the word beating. I like the word spanking. The word spanking is not in the Bible. The word beat is. Amen. Quit talking like yourself and talk like Jesus. <laughs> it... <laughs> It hopeth all things, and it endureth all things. Some of us don't even let people see us in the grocery store because we don't want to endure the same story that they've told us a hundred times about how miserable they were, but we've never hoped for anything in their life, and our faith has not ever been used on them or for them, for their life. Moving on, next verse. Charity never fails. Somebody say it never gives up. Never fails, never fails, never fails, never fails, never fails. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Love. Love and power. Power. Somebody say power. Now that word power is deutimus. It doesn't just mean authority. It means something far deeper than that. It means that there is an authentic, perpetual, life-creating ability in every believer. Amen. 
that is changing them glory to glory, empowering them to give love, to share love, to give hope, to give freedom, to give deliverance. See, it is, uh, well, I'll go ahead and say it. In Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost is what? Come upon you. Not when it fills you. When it comes upon you. See, when you are baptized into the body of Christ, he that hath the Son, not the Holy Ghost, he that hath the Son hath eternal life. When you get eternal life, you receive a perpetual life-creating residency of God inside of you. You don't receive power to cast out devils. If that's the case, 99% of us have been cheated. Blind eyes, deaf ears, where do we want to stop? That doesn't have anything to do. Now, you have power. You have eternal life resident in you, and death cannot take you because you have the residency of the perpetual emotion of God's life in you. And that gives you power not to fear him that can destroy the body, but to serve and reverence him that can destroy both body and soul and cast it into hell. But the devil can't defeat you because you have on the inside of you a residency of eternal life. So we've quoted Acts 1-8 wrong for the last 80 years, the last 10 decades, the last 2,000 years, and all we had to do was just read two words when it comes upon you. I'm moving right along. I shouldn't have said that. That'll make you think all night. Now let's go to Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter, verse 9. I'll be glad when this is over, David. I know you will too. Hallelujah. So let's realize that we have a spirit of love. Somebody say a spirit of love. We have a spirit of power. And we have a spirit of temperance. Love, power, and of a sound mind. The word sound mind simply means we are temperate in all things. So when we get intemperate, when we make quick decisions, when we're overwhelmed or we respond emotionally, what does that tell us? That tells us there's pressure on your mind. And you need to realize that you have the ability to say, stop whether it's go and get in prayer, whether it's start worshiping or whatever it is, you can cause that temperance to rise up and cause your decisions to start being right. All right, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Anybody know where most problems come from in a family? Family members. You ever have family problems when you aren't around them? Huh? No, absolutely not. I have no problems with my family as long as they stay away. It's when they come, I get in arguments. We disagree. We have pet peeves. We think this and we think that. But if you stay away from them, guess what? No problems. 
You know one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ because we don't live in this realm of love and we don't live in a realm of faith to bear one another's burdens. We all just live in a realm of get by. We are so surface fellowshipped that it's sad. I'm telling you, it's, it's sad. I love you, brother. You hear they're in a problem, you never show up. That ain't love. Just tell me. I'm thinking about you, but not that deep. Just be truthful with me. But don't tell me you love me and not show up when I'm going through stuff. I've never had anybody come in and say, Pastor, I'm getting ready to go on five-day fast, and I just, I just want you to know, what can I fast for you for? Now, I've only been pastoring 36 years, so I'm sure that before I die, somebody will. Nor have I had somebody come and say, Pastor, I'm going to be praying this week, and I'm setting myself apart. I'm just going to be praying. What can I pray for you and your family for? Mm. I've never had that. Now, I've had people say, praying for you, Pastor. That means, God bless, Pastor. Hallelujah. That's not prayer. That's conscious appeasement. Conscious appeasement. Now, all you're going to be lined up next week. <clears throat> we come to tell you. No. Now, the reason I said that was this. Relationships in the body of Christ are tough. Are tough. Because brothers are born for adversity. In other words, they're going to bring it on you. And they're going to help you through it but you got to have the balance of it. Everybody that walks with you is not going to be peaceable with you all the time. There are going to be differences. There are going to be contentions. There are going to be squabbles. There are going to be ups and downs. But you don't run from people. That is shallow relationship. That is shallow love. We are members one of another. I've never had my arm say, you guys go ahead and go to work. I'll meet you later. I'm tired. No, when my body gets up, it all gets up. Amen. Could it get an amen? amen? Yeah. All right. So the hardest thing to endure in the kingdom and the most necessary are relationships with the family relationships with the family now we all got aunts and uncles that we're trying to keep in the closet you know crazy people I used to have an uh, aunt I even forget her name she never oh do you want anything and no no I don't want to eat anything she wouldn't eat anything at the family reunion until everybody was done then she'd go around and eat all the chicken wings off their plate I used to think what is wrong with that old woman why don't you just eat the chicken or just tell them, I just want the wings. No, she had to be contrary. She just had to always have an uphill. Oh, come on, Marianne, come on. I'd have said, well, starve your fool self to death. But that's not what the other people did. They tried to appease her. And we all got crazy people in our families. Oh, no, we don't. You're the one they're talking about. Notice what it said. 
two are better than one. You want me to tell you one of the biggest places of self-destruction? Two types of people that you walk with. People that are available and you don't take it. And people that are available and hinder you. Hinder you. So the first thing is this. You cannot be a lonely Christian. Well, I don't have any friends. Show yourself friendly. I tried that. It didn't work. No, you did not show yourself friendly. The Bible doesn't lie. Well, everybody else is failing, said the fibber. No, no, no. Everybody else is not failing. You are failing. You've got entirely too many thorns in the hand that you stick out to shake with people. Come on. And it says two are better than one. Somebody say one is bad. Don't ever try to be lonely. Don't ever be alone walking with God. Because every man's ways are right in his own eyes. You need somebody else to tell you what you're really seeing. And then it says this. Because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one. Because there's reward when you work together. And Christianity today, we, we get so estranged. And if we aren't estranged, we try to get coups or groups of little chickens. The same thing that Paul condemned the church at Corinth in the third chapter. Nobody should have a group that anybody else is excluded from. Amen. Let's go to verse 10. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is what? Alone. For when he falleth, he hath not another to help him up. So no matter what you think, how strong you think you are, you cannot make it alone. Well, it's just me and my wife. That's not enough. Because you're considered one in the eyes of God. And you can browbeat her and rule her into what you want her to do. Or vice versa. In my case, vice versa. Now, let's go to the next verse. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one warm be warm alone? So you say, oh, I'm staying on fire. No, you're not. No, no. Oh, yes, I am. Now, listen, I don't want to get in a brawl with you, but I will turn Philip loose on you. You are telling me that you are being strong and staying on fire when this scripture right here tells me that you're not. Can, can I really be honest with you? Someday you're going to have to believe the Bible. Could I get an amen? You're going to have to believe the Bible over your own mind, over your own friends, over your own belief system, over your own right and wrongs if you are going to be a Christian. But to argue with simplicity that doesn't even take a bug brain to figure out 
Now, I could see if you're dealing with the revelation, but when you're dealing with just black and white, no. Now, that should, now listen, this scripture should bring fear to every lone ranger in the kingdom. Because this is what's going to happen to you. Oh, no, Pastor, no. Okay, the Bible's a liar. God is a charlatan, a deceiver, and a conniver, and you are the only living epistle of truth. I think that God is true and all men are liars. What did it say right there? Again, if two, he's trying to make a point. If two lie together, then they have heat. And how can one be warm alone? Somebody say, it's impossible. impossible. Yet Christians are loners in the kingdom. What if they see some flaw in me? They have a spirit of love. And if they aren't, then you just understand that's one person you shouldn't walk with. The Bible said that there's going to be 20, 30, 40, 60, 80%, 100% return on a seed. Not everybody's going to be 100% Christian. So maybe I'm in the 20%. That's okay. I still expect you to love me. Oh, well, you need to grow up. No, 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 no. Nah, 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 nah. You have got to increase in love. God never told me to grow up to be accepted by you. He told you to accept me because he accepted you. I'll tell you, if I made a dollar for every ugh that was going on in your brain, I'd be rich. I'd be in Aruba with my wife. Now, and it says this, and if two agree, if two lie together, and then they have heat. Somebody say, there's heat. But how can one be warm alone? How? Is there an answer? There is no answer. So if you are a friendless Christian, Pastor, I've tried to make friends. Well, if you're not making friends, then you need to find out why. Go back to some of your other friends and ask them why they left you. And you change, now, you, I'm, now I know that it's funny, Shane, but I'm telling you, there's a reason that you're always giving people lemonade when you get around them. Huh? Absolutely. Find out why people left you. Now, I can tell you why they leave me. Because at my house, I'm all about myself. Charlie, you come, oh, Charlie left. Oh, he's back there. Where you at, Charlie? Charlie, you, you come to my house, Charlie. Oh, you, you be sitting there drinking coffee, eating supper, and I just go to sleep. Now, he's my favorite brother. My favorite brother. He's my favorite Christian brother. Carol will call and say, hey, Pastor, we're, we're right down the road. I'd like to stop in. Do you get offended when I say no? I tell her, No. Don't come. Why? I got the grandkids. I'm playing. Don't want you to play with me. Oh, okay. How about some other time? See, you, you guys are saying, oh, I can't believe that. Believe it. 
you're going to have me as a friend, you're going to have to work at it. Now, if they call me and say, hey, I'm sick, I'm going. They call me, hey, I need something, I'm going. But that doesn't mean they got to come. But see, they love me, and I love them. I trust Carol. If I need pants taken up, I take them to Carol. I trust her measurements. And she doesn't cost me anything. <laughs> See, everybody can't have everybody as a friend. But you cannot be alone. You cannot be alone. So we have to make sure that we have friends. Could again, amen. Next verse. All right, and it says, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Well, what if one is alone? One cannot withstand him. So I'm telling you right now, you'll lose more battles by yourself than you ever will with a brother at your side. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we talked about those three things tonight, and uh, I probably stirred up some feathers. Hallelujah. I love being a stirrer. So here's what we have. Number one, we aren't going to remember our past, and we're not going to walk with people that remind us of it. Our past has nothing in it except the desire to be a part of our today. Don't allow it. Do not allow it. And then we don't have a spirit of fear. We are not intimidated because the love of God will always provide that which we need to be victorious where we are. And God, no matter how I got there, God never says, well, Peter, how'd you end up in this mess? He just says, Peter, I'm here to help you out. Jesus never asked the guy on Jericho Road, hey, stupid, what are you doing down here? He just got him up on his donkey and took him to the inn. God doesn't care how you get someplace. He just wants to help you out. And I have, I I just have a spirit of love. God just likes me. How many here think God don't like you, doesn't think God likes you? Anybody in here say, well, I know God's mad at me, hates me, don't want nothing to do. Well, no, you don't. You have a spirit of love. Let it permeate you. Let it build confidence in you. When you walk in, hey, Father, yes, Pete, what do you want? Father, I need this. I need this. You know, you asked me to do that, and I've been trying to do it, and I just run into some problems. I don't want you to kill them all. I just want you to make a way through them. Okay. Look, he's on my side. He's on your side. He is trusting and equipping you to make it through, to lay hold of eternal life. Make a good confession. Amen. All right? And then we have a spirit of perpetual eternal life on the inside of us, and we have a spirit of temperance, and then we need friends. We need friends. Amen? Sometimes friends are problems, but we need them. We need them. Amen? Hallelujah.